Scripture today is from Isaiah 24 and 25. See, the Lord is going to lay waste to the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. And from Isaiah 25, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And in that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. I love when I go to the mailbox and grab a letter out of the mailbox and open it up. And the words on... Inside uh, the letter, uh, have two words on it. Uh, you're invited. I love that. I love it when it says you're invited. I feel like people are including me. It just feels good. An invitation, whether it comes by the mail or email or text, saying you're invited. The invitations vary, don't they, from a dinner gathering to a birthday to a Super Bowl party, to full-blown events. I received, quite a while ago, a wonderful invitation, very special to me, that I've held on to for a long time. Let me read it to you. Members of the United States Senate and the House of Representatives request the pleasure of your company at the 38th Annual National Prayer Breakfast with the President of the United States and Mrs. Bush and other national leaders in the executive, judicial, legislative branches of our government. Thursday, February 1st, 1990, at 8 o'clock in the morning. You had to have this invitation at the door to come and sit with the President at the National Prayer Breakfast. It was a wonderful invitation 
and a wonderful time going before God with our president, with our leaders from all over the country and the world. It's interesting, though, when we receive invitations, there's a lot that we throw away. Or there's a lot that we just set aside. And I think mostly because we don't want to commit. We want to leave our options open. But I want to let you know that there's one invitation that keeps coming. And what it says on it, even more important than the invitation to sit with the president, it says you are invited to the banquet by the king. Not only the king, but the king of kings. You are invited to his banquet to be filled full of his life, his abundance, his love, his presence, his forgiveness. And it's unlike this invitation that I got from Washington. This was to a selective group. But the invitation from the King of Kings is for all. Don't throw it away. Don't set it aside. You can come to the table, to the wonderful banquet table, by receiving his invitation, by placing your trust in the Lord, which Isaiah has been drawing us to. By surrendering your heart to Christ. By asking the Lord to be Lord of your life. He invites you to the banquet table. And it is the greatest invitation of all. And the banquet table is set for this life. And then the beautiful wedding feast banquet table that will be set with our Lord in all of eternity. You know, we live in the middle of this crazy world right now where things are swirling all around us. And I think the Lord is inviting us, especially us as children of God, to come to the banquet table on a daily basis. To experience His presence. To feast upon Him and His Word. To come and rest. To fellowship with Him. To come to His banquet table And not only that, that we as children of God would come to His banquet table, but that we would invite others to come with us. He has set a banquet table in our presence, and He invites us to come. I want you to hear Psalm 23. Actually, I want you to to close your eyes. You know, we hear Psalm 23 often uh, at memorial services. But it's a wonderful psalm of the presence of God and his invitation to be with him and his, his, his uh, releasing unto us the truth that he is present with us in all circumstances. And he's inviting us to his banquet table in Psalm 23 as well. Close your eyes and just hear this be read over you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... Because I'm at his banquet table. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I'm feeding upon his resources and he is feeding my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here, verse 5. 
You, O God, prepare a table before me. It's in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord at His banquet table forever. Amen. You, each and every one of us, are invited to the banquet table. And if you have received the invitation, if you've received life in Christ, if you've received His provision and His rest, and if you've received His abundance that overflows, then share it with a world who is spinning around us lost and hopeless. Then share it. That's what Isaiah is wanting us to see this morning. Jesus is coming back. And He's going to come back in righteous judgment. We need to share the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ because His righteous judgment will come. And if we aren't at the banquet table, we will be separated out from the love of God forever. Why wouldn't we share the wonderful banquet table of our Lord? The desire of the Lord is that all of the world would receive the invitation that they wouldn't throw it away Because there won't be an invitation all the time. Christ will return. And He will judge sin. And He is just. He's never going to force you to come to His banquet table. But boy, He wants you to come and fellowship. He longs for that relationship with you. So let us be a people who are the hands and the feet of Christ. Let us be a people who invite others to the banquet table of our Lord, that they may know his love, that they may receive life in him, that they may receive salvation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have sent us the invitation. And Father, for those of us in this room who are your children, we thank you that you've set this banquet table before us, that we can come and and be in fellowship and relationship with you, Father. We thank you that we can feast upon your truth and your life and receive from you abundance overflowing. My cup overflows. And Father, as we have received from you and experienced your presence and received salvation and have experienced life, Father, may we be moved through your Holy Spirit to invite others to the banquet table Father, give us your heart for the lost. Sometimes we just go through the day and it seems like we don't even care. Forgive us for that, Father. So, Father, we praise you that you are victorious. We praise you that you have conquered sin and death. And we praise you because we can come and sing and and glorify you at your banquet table. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. In May of 1984, National Geographic showed a bunch of color photos and drawings of the swift and terrible destruction of the Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum. It was in A.D. 79. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius was so sudden, the residents were killed while they were just doing their routine things in life. The women were at the market. 
The rich were in their luxurious baths. Slaves were at toil. And they died, all of them, as the volcanic ash and superheated gases came upon them. The family pets suffered the quick and the same fate that they did. As they've done research and as they've looked at all of what took place in A.D. 79, the saddest part of all is these people did not have to die. Scientists confirmed what the Roman writers had put onto paper, that there was weeks of rumblings and shakings that preceded the actual explosion. There was even an ominous plume of smoke that was visibly clear on the mountain days before the eruption. If only they had responded to Vesuvius's warnings. And that's what Isaiah 24 and 25 is this morning. If only we would respond. God is giving us a way of salvation. And there are rumblings. And Isaiah is making it very clear what it's all going to look like Won't you come to his banquet table? Because his judgment is coming. The explosion has taken place. Bill was reading, See, the Lord is going to lay waste to all the earth. What's happening is that it's going to come and devastate the whole earth, and it's going to be for the servant and for the maid and for the buyer, everybody in the land. There is going to be no one who gets out. No one who is immune to his judgment, his righteous judgment on sin upon the earth. And you read these strong words of his coming. The earth will be completely laid to waste, totally plundered. The Lord has spoken his word. Vesuvius is giving its rumblings. Will we respond to what is going on? You see, God is serious about sin. Holy God who loves us and is just is serious about sin. He must deal with sin in order for us to be in relationship with Him. He must. And so He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He must deal with sin in order for us to come to the banquet table of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 24, some have called this chapter Isaiah's Apocalypse. And what we're seeing in these chapters, I believe, is he's giving us a glimpse into the end times, into Christ's return, into his holy judgment, and then his victory over sin and death. It's about the end. But it's something that will take place. And in these first verses of chapter 24, we see very clearly that no one is immune to this. The one percenters can't buy themselves out of this situation. There is no Southwest commercial that says, do you want to get away? None of us are immune to what's going on. And as you read chapter 24, and, and many of you did this in your growth groups, and you go, Lord, why? Why such strong judgment? Why is this coming upon the people? Verse 5 is very clear. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws. They have violated the statutes. And they've broken the everlasting covenant. 
from creation, from Genesis, we were supposed to to bless and, and care for the earth and follow God's ways. But we disobeyed. We wanted to live for self. We broke our covenant with holy God. You see, He set the way that life was meant to be lived. He set what relationship looked like with Him. He set the place and the standard of what it looks like to have life. And it's coming to the banquet table. It's coming into His presence. It's surrendering our lives unto His. It's placing our trust in Him. But we broke those commandments. We rebelled against Him. And all this judgment and consequence, God's hand of mighty justice comes upon. And we see it in chapter 24 strongly. And then all of a sudden, in verse 14, look in your scriptures, you see this amazing devastation coming on. And then it says this, They will raise their voices. They will shout for joy. From the west they acclaim the Lord's majesty, and therefore in the east they give glory to the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the islands of the sea, from the ends of the earth, we hear singing glory to the righteous one. Right in the middle of all of God's judgment upon the earth, and it's going to be all wiped out. Right in the middle, we see all of a sudden there's this they are praising God. And so the obvious question is, well, who's they? Where's this coming from? This praise coming out, it's the type of praise that comes from a recognition that evil has been conquered, that the righteous one is victorious. Who's the they? I think the they is is a beautiful remnant. Those who in the middle of tribulation, those who heard the rumblings come and and started to experience the judgment of the Lord, they put their trust in God. They, the remnant. And they saw Christ's victory over evil. They saw Him have His conquering over death. There's a righteous victory. And there comes this wonderful shout of victory and praise. I always remember that scene when a a big statue of Saddam Hussein, they had ropes tied around it and they tore it down and it came toppling down. Do you remember that scene? And in the streets there was just a great cry of victory. Evil had been destroyed. There had been victory in the land. God has accomplished a great victory over evil. And the remnant praises God for it. Those who were not placing their trust in the Lord had extreme fear and death. It says people from all over the world, from the east to the west, will be giving praise. This is a beautiful thing. This is a wonderful passage. People from the east and the west, people from all the way in China, all the way over to the California coast, just even the Californians, will be giving praise to their Lord. You've got to understand what he's saying here. He's saying, my good news, my invitation to the banquet has gone out to the whole world. 
And there are many who received the invitation. They didn't just throw it away. And they came to the banquet table and they're giving praise to God. They, from the east to the west, will be praising and glorifying God for who He is at His banquet table with Him. They will come and be at His table. The thing that we can't miss about chapter 24 and 25 and all of Scripture, really, is that this will happen. This is the Word of God through Isaiah. This will come about. Christ will return in full authority with righteous judgment. This will take place. You know on your car, on your right-hand door, and the mirror on your car says that objects are closer than they appear? The reason is because the mirror is convex and it's allowing a much wider angle and vision. And that's what Isaiah chapters 24 and 25 are doing. I want to give you the wide vision. I want to give you the whole vision of what's taking place. I want you to understand the rumblings that are coming. The truth is, Christ will return. He is coming. It is not just something to say just for the heck of it. Listen to first, or excuse me, Second Peter 3. I want you to take time uh, this afternoon to read more of Second uh, Peter 3, but I want to give you a little glimpse of it. Second Peter chapter 3. You have to understand, Peter says, in the last days, scoffers will come and they're going to scoff and, and they're going to say these things. They will say, where is this coming that you're talking about that he promised? Mocking those who believe. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it is since the beginning of creation. But those scoffers, they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. But He is so patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance wanting everyone to come to the banquet table. This isn't a joke. This isn't some made-up story. People are dying in their sin, and they need to know Jesus. Will we invite them to the banquet table? Because the floodgates are coming. We can't stop it. His righteous judgment upon sin must come. All of the earth will be destroyed. And it's so amazing to me that we keep living as though this is all there is. And I think what Isaiah is saying is stop living as though this is all there is. All the the things of the earth. 
Because this earth is going to be wiped out. All the things of the world that you are putting your trust in, and this physical earth is going to be wiped out. Stop living as though there is no eternal reality. Because there is. There is a holy God. There is one who will bring righteous judgment. And sin and death is going to come upon those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And like he said in 1 Peter 3, I do not want them to die in their sin. My desire is that none would perish. Flood and tribulation will come. And what happens is, what matters is, is where your heart is at. Is your heart in love with God? Or is your heart in love with self and the world? C.S. Lewis, in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, he said this, It matters little what we think of God, but it matters to all eternity what God thinks of us. He's looking right at our heart. He's looking right into our soul. And he's inviting us to the banquet table. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot fix it. And yet we keep putting trust in ourselves and in this world and the things of the flesh. There is what is called in, out in space the immortality drive. Have you heard of this? The immortality drive is a large memory device which is at the International Space Station. It was placed out there on October 12th of 2008. And the immortality drive contains digitalized DNA of specific human beings, sequences of a selected group of humans. Physicist Stephen Hawking is out there. Comedian Stephen Colbert, thank God, is there. They actually have a Playboy model, her DNA. They have authors. They have Lance Armstrong's DNA. And this microchip contains a sequence of their DNA. The intent of the immortality drive is to preserve human DNA in a time capsule. And they're doing this in case there is a global cataclysmic destruction upon the earth. And the truth is, there will be someday. But isn't it amazing how we're trying to preserve, putting our trust in our own abilities. But that will not preserve their soul. God is going to destroy this earth with a word, and then with a word, He is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we will receive new life in Him. Chapter 24 is strong, incredible tribulation. It's hard to hear these words. And we go, Lord, what are you doing? And at the same time, there is a great liberation. You see, the promise of our Lord is there is salvation. There is salvation to those who will come to the banquet table. There is salvation for those who respond to His love and will feast upon His life. If there's one thing you need to know always, you are invited to the banquet table. 
And I hope you've received that invitation. And that as we've received it, asking the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to invite to the banquet table? So that they can receive your love and your life and your salvation. Lord, may I have a heart like Isaiah's. You know what Isaiah says in in, in chapter 24 and verse 16? He says, I'm wasting away. I can't take it. You know what his heart is? He sees the consequence of sin and death. He's wasting away. His heart is torn because people are not responding to the love of God. They're rebelling against Him. And He's seeing their destruction and their death. And He yearns. He yearns for the coming of Christ. He yearns for the Lord to make it whole. But He's stuck here in this earthly body. And He knows all that's coming. May we have a heart like Isaiah. For those who are going to die in their sin. And may we bring them to the banquet table. You know, sometimes I just think we get into the routine of life and we just forget about the seriousness of eternal things. And sometimes we forget about the wonderful, awesome hope that we have. That like you, children of God, you at one point in your life said, yes, Lord, I will come to your banquet table. And he's changed your life forever. Let us bring it so that those may know Jesus, that they may receive His salvation, that they would enjoy Him and place their trust in Him and live life fully in Him. That's what chapter 25 is about. About rejoicing in the victory of Christ and His salvation. You know, there's a, um, there's a little football game going on today. The Super Bowl. It's between the Atlanta Falcons and... It's between uh, Tom Brady. And I was just, uh, I was wondering if you guys could tell me who actually, who's going to win the game today. I need to know, and I need to know with certainty who's going to win the game. So I can hedge my bets. Who will win this great, make it super battle? You see, Isaiah gives us a clear picture who will win the battle between righteousness, goodness, and evil. What will this victory look like? You know, they always do the analysis after the game. What was this victory like? Well, Isaiah 25 gives it to us. He will crush the enemy. Crush them. There will be no more evil. You've made the city a heap. And then here's something that's interesting. The strong ones, the strong peoples, verse 3, they will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. That's another beautiful passage of how the Lord breaks into people's hearts. You see, those who are the enemy of God, they will come to give glory. You know, I think when Jonah was going into Nineveh, he's like, no way. No way are those Ninevites ever going to be close to you, God. He's like, Jonah, I'm sending you. You see, that enemy, they're going to come to give me glory. You need to know that God's doing that in every heart. I know there's some that you've been wanting to to know the love of God. God's doing that with every heart. What does a victory look like? 
the strong peoples will glorify you. Verse 4 says, God will be a refuge to to the poor. God is going to cover them. He will be a refuge for the needy and in distress, a shelter from the storm, a shade from the heat. What does this victory look like? God will be a refuge. And I don't want you to miss this in light of what's going on in our world today. It's not a, it's not a promise of immunity from trouble, is it? But it is a promise of His ultimate covering a promise that he is present and covering and a refuge. A tribulation is like the storm, but he's a refuge to that. The tribulation is like a desert heat, but he's a cloud that blocks the hot rays of the sun. God will be a refuge now, and God will be a refuge ultimately in the big picture of all things. He may be calling you right now to be part of his kingdom work And to step in and to be a refuge for people as He uses you for that. But here's the one thing. I I, I love this passage in the middle of our times today. That no matter what the governmental decisions are that are made, that God cares for the refugee. He cares for the poor. He cares for the oppressed. And like each and every one of us, He cares about their heart and where their heart is at. And He's wanting to be a refuge for them. He's wanting to invite them to the banquet table because He's preparing that for them. The invitation has gone out. But we can be rest assured that God is a refuge and that He's present like we read in in Psalm 23 with all of these refugees trying to find a place of safety. Let's trust the Lord for that. And let's ask him how he wants us to be his hands and feet in that. Oh, this banquet table on this mountain. I will make a table for all peoples, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, a full marrow, of aged, well-refined wine. What does this victory look like? It's this wonderful banquet table is going to be set. We are going to celebrate. We're going to have full life together. And it's really amazing to me. He just keeps repeating it. Hey, it's going to be a feast of rich food. And by the way, it's going to be just wonderful food. And and, and then he says, and there's going to be this aged wine, the best wine. And by the way, there's going to be just awesome wine. And what that means, and you guys know this, wine all throughout the Scriptures is a symbol for joy. There's going to be joy beyond joy. That's what this victory is going to look like. Let's invite people to the banquet table. The invitation has gone out for the Lord. Let us rejoice and celebrate His victory. The victory looks like He is going to swallow up on this mountain. The covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up. Do not miss this. He will swallow up death forever. What does this victory look like? Team death is done with. They are destroyed. That's why we can stand at the graveside with the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that those who are children of God, even though their bodies have died, they live. And the imagery is, death isn't just put aside. Death is swallowed. Don't miss that. Jesus 
swallowed death. He took it in himself and took the death that we deserved. And then in the resurrection power of God, he rose again, conquering sin and death, and he offers that to everybody. The invitation has gone out. Come to my banquet table and receive this resurrection life of Jesus. That's what the victory looks like. Sin and death conquered. Ultimate victory. Best Super Bowl ever. And it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and let us rejoice in His salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are stirred in our spirits because of Your holy judgment. And at the same time, as your children of God, we rejoice that you are righteous and just. And we rejoice in the good news of your victory over sin and death. And Father, help us in our apathy. Get us out of our homes, off of our seats, and into the world who needs to be invited to the banquet table. We thank you that you've given us that invitation. We thank you that you are our life. We thank you that you are our, our joy. You are our hope and you are our salvation. Amen.